Welcome. This is Raul Lowry Contreras, and this is the Contreras Report, a Hispanic view of the USA. Some of the things we're going to talk about today are Donald Trump's brand new executive order on the census, on the census, the 2020 census. He has ordered that illegal aliens not be counted. Well, unfortunately for Mr. Trump, that violates the Constitution. Again, Mr. Trump sat down with Mike Wallace, um, I'm sorry, Chris Wallace of, uh, of Fox News for an hour-long interview. Mr. Trump did not do well. Race relations in the United States. How, are, how do Americans feel about it as of now compared to previously, say in February? We have some polling. There has been an uprising, speaking of race relations, at Fox News. It seems we'll discuss in detail. Polling. The president is hugely, hugely behind in national polling. We'll discuss it and take a couple of polls and really deep dive into them. He is so far behind at this stage of the game that big-time Republican donors are panicking because they're afraid that he, in going down, will take the Senate with him. So, we've got some dollar figures for you. Senator Tom Cotton of Arkansas, who's supposed to be a very smart guy, Harvard undergraduate, Harvard Law, U.S. Army fighting infantryman, um, but he is he a nascent fascist? We'll discuss. Speaking of fascists, the People's Republic of China has sw shifting their world's largest army philosophy into a Marine Corps of its own. Lopez Obrador, the president of Mexico, on the subject of Donald Trump, ducks. COVID-19 is killing people in Texas, a hundred people a day, a hundred people a day. And lastly, I have some tremendous news for those of you who follow Hispanic affairs in the United States or in North America. I have some fantastic news. It's uh, I'm going to read you my column for the week on the University of California and Hispanics. Okay, let's get started. Donald Trump violates the Constitution again. He issued an executive order banning the counting of illegal aliens in the ongoing 2020 census. Now, his executive order doesn't say how his order is to be carried out. But there's only one possible way, and that would be for guesswork by profiling. If you look Mexican, you must be illegal. That's the only possible way, because they can't ask the question. The Supreme Court said you can't ask the question because it wasn't properly inserted into the census. So if you can't ask the question about citizenship or whether you're in the country legally or not, how do you, how do you figure it out? How do you know what and who to ask? You have to do it by sight. Now, when he attempted to include the question of citizenship, the Supreme Court said, no, 
you didn't do it right. In fact, as Justice John Roberts, Supreme Justice John Roberts, the Chief Justice, said, you didn't ask to include the question. You didn't give a reasonable reason why it was needed. It wasn't in the original Constitution. Now, the whole aim of this is to try to figure out how many illegal aliens there are and then subtract them from the population, and that would cost California, Texas, and Georgia Congress people, people in Congress. So it would backfire. Oh, yeah, well, we'll, we'll cut California from 55 electoral votes to 53 electoral votes, but you'll also cut Texas and Georgia. The Constitution mandates counting all persons, even Negro slaves, were mandated to be counted. Let me explain to you how by actually, by actually reading from the Constitution. The Constitution says in Article 1, Section 2, Representatives and direct taxes shall be apportioned among the several states which may be included within this union according to their respective numbers, which shall be determined by adding to the whole number of free persons, including those bound to service for a term of years, and excluding Indians not taxed, three-fifths of all other persons. The actual enumeration shall be made within three years after the first meeting of the Congress of the United States and within every subsequent term of 10 years in such a manner as they shall by law direct. Now, that's important, that quote-unquote. Now, that was changed about the three-fifths, but it's the original Constitution is very clear that everyone should be counted, even slaves, although, albeit, they be counted as three-fifths. Now, that has been the law of the land. Oh, you've played around with some of the details here and there. At, one, at some points, they added in the citizenship questions. At others, they haven't. They haven't since 1970, anyway. And so, to ask the question now, especially after the Supreme Court says you can't do it because you didn't insert it into the the as mandated by law so what is president trump trying to do well he's trying to hurt california yeah there's a te there's a court case going on right now it'll be decided by the supreme court in this coming year this coming term about uh, that comes out of texas because some white supremacist nationalist racist jerk offs have filed a lawsuit saying that only citizens should be counted and, in fact, only registered voters should be counted uh, to apportion Congress. But that's not what the Constitution said originally. That's not what the Constitution says today. And, and these people are really, really, you know, upsetting to me. I, gosh, I wish we could somehow outlaw these racists from even being able to vote. Yeah, I know. It sounds like them, huh? <laughs> The big news of the week has been that Chris Wallace, Christopher Wallace, sat down with President Donald Trump in the White House for an hour. Chris Wallace proved beyond doubt that the President of the United States, who believes he is perfect at everything he says and everything he thinks, is not perfect and what he says isn't true even when he has proved to his face to be wrong. Wallace proved Trump wrong with facts 
and Trump didn't blink. He kept on lying anyway. Look at Chris Wallace right in the eye and lying to him. This was painful to watch. Trump, we have more COVID-19 cases because we have more tests. But Wallace asked about mortality. Wait a minute. The tests have gone up by like 39%, but deaths have, and the cases have gone up by like 140%. Question to Trump, are more people dying because there's more testing? And basically Trump can't answer that question. Trump said, I think we have one of the lowest mortality rates in the world. Wallace came back with saying, it's not true. We had 900 deaths on a, 900 deaths on a single day. Trump, I heard we have one of the lowest, maybe the lowest mortality rate anywhere in the world. He said that after. Number one law, mortality, fatality rates. Wallace showed White House chart. The White House, its own chart, shows the U.S. isn't doing as well as Brazil and South Korea. Trump says Biden wants to defend, defund police. Wallace said, not true. Trump says, hey, I asked, he has his staff for the Democratic Charter to show Wallace that Biden is for defunding the police. He's wrong again. He looked at the whole document that was handed to him by his press secretary, Kayleigh McEnany. He looked it over and kept calling, but he couldn't find anything that said Biden is for defunding the police. He has, in fact, specifically said no. And then when the figure 140,000 dead people from COVID-19 was brought up, you know what Trump says of the dead Quote, it is what it is. Now, Trump said during the, um, during the interview that mail-in voting will steal the election from him, claims the election will be rigged. Wallace, quote, are you a gracious loser? Trump, quote, it depends. I think mail-in voting is going to rig the election. I really do, unquote. Wallace, quote, are you suggesting that you might not accept the results of the election, unquote? Trump, quote, no, I have to see. I have to see. Look, you, I have to see. No, I'm not going to just say yes. I'm not going to say no. And I didn't last time either, unquote. This man's running for re-election to the presidency of the United States, and he will not say that he will accept the election results. Let's move on to race relations. There's an interesting article in the National Review. And if you're not familiar with the National Review, it's a conservative publication founded by William F. Buckley, what, 50, 60 years ago. Now, Buckley was a really responsible conservative. He was my idol. I wanted to be a writer just like William F. Buckley. William F. Buckley blasted Pat Buchanan, who is still around, years ago for stoking bad race relations. Pat Buchanan has always been a racist since he was a teenager. He used to, for example, with his white friends in Washington, D.C., where he grew up, 
call his maid out, a, a Negro or a black maid, as uh, we call him now, and would hose her down with the garden hose, laughing all the time. They would throw rocks at buses carrying black passengers. And one time, when the police tried to stop him from doing silly little things like that, Buchanan actually attacked a police officer and hurt him so badly he hospitalized the man. Buchanan was convicted by the courts and only his father donating a lot of money kept him out of jail. Anyway, today's National Review reports in depth that the Wall Street Journal and NBC News survey shows 56% of Americans believe America is racist today. 71% believe race relations are getting either bad or fairly bad. 900 registered voters were surveyed. The 71% is 16 points higher than in February. So just in five, what, five months, the race relations have deteriorated, at least the, the, uh, um, the people noticing, being cognizant of race relations uh, has increased substantially. 90% of Democrats think blacks are discriminated against, but only 25% of Republicans. That is totally stupid. 45% of independents, so that's close to 50-50, which I would expect. But it's hard to believe that only 25% of Republicans believe that blacks are discriminated against. Come on. 51% of the public, in this case the surveyed public, support taking Confederate statues down. 47% would leave them up with context, with plaques. 10% thought they should be destroyed. 40% believe they should be moved to museums. 30% say they should stay where they are with contextual plaques explaining what they did. 15% say leave them as they are. Percentage to remove Confederate statues has risen 16 points since the last time this survey was taken in February. To give you an idea, though, of, of the, the Republican, remember, I'm a Republican, and it really irritates me that the party of Lincoln today has people in it that think like this. Example, Roger Stone, the recently pardoned criminal, convicted criminal, that uh, uh, the president pardoned, Roger Stone, his good friend, said on the Mr. Mo Kelly radio show, quote, and they were arguing about something, quote, I can't believe I'm arguing this with a Negro, unquote. Speaking of race relations, there has been an uprising at Fox News by staff by non-on-air staff. Tucker Carlson and Laura Ingram have been nailed by Fox employees, some black who nailed the two for continued racist rants like Ingram's. For example, quote, we will remember those who desert their colors, unquote, before she tossed the former convert and convicted felon Dinesh D'Souza who is remembered for not only being stupidly stupid for, for making 
campaign, federal campaign contributions through third party, through straw people, through straw contributors, he was convicted and sentenced to jail. Actually, he was on probation. Anyway, he once tweeted when President Barack Obama was president, quote, you can take the boy out of the ghetto. Watch this vulgar man show his stuff. Who? President of the United States is who he was talking about. He once tweeted Rosa Parks, a great civil rights heroine who refused to get up from her seat on the bus and was arrested and started a whole chain of events which wound up in desegregated buses. Quote, overrated, this is what Dinesh D'Souza said about her, overrated Democrats so Rosa Parks wouldn't sit on the, in the back of the bus. That's all she did. So what's the big fuss? Give me a break, Mr. India. You have no idea. He tries so much to be an American, he's never quite made it. But unfortunately, for some, some reason, he was able to go to Dartmouth and that allowed him to gain some prominence uh, th through what he did there because actually he's darker than I am. And so that made the racist people among us point to him and say, look, he's dark, and he, these are the things he's saying. But his, his views on American blacks are just terrible. Calling the President of the United States a boy, and that you can take the boy out of the ghetto? Since when did Barack Obama grow up in a ghetto? He didn't. He grew up in Hawaii, but he grew up raised by white people. Okay, let's talk about the latest polling. The Fox poll. The Fox poll is considered to be one of the better polls. In, 19, in 2016, it was right on the nose. And it generally is considered by people in the polling business to be fairly good, if not very good. In the middle of July, about 110 days to Election Day, the Fox poll came out said that Trump leads among men by five, by five points. But Biden is up with women by 19 points. Biden is up plus 64 points with blacks. Biden is up 30 points with Hispanics. Biden is up 22 points with millennials. Biden is up 11 with suburban voters. Biden is up 11 points with independence. White men with college degrees, plus three for Biden. White men without college degrees, plus nine for Trump. Evangelicals, Trump by 43. Trump up with rural voters by nine. Seniors up one for Trump. That is the danger there. He carried the seniors very well in 2016, which is why he was able to squeak by, which he did, he squeaked by. Now, another poll, the Washington Post ABC poll, has Biden up by 15, taken among registered voters, and Biden led by 10 in May, by only two in March. So, 2 in March, plus 2 in March, plus 10 in May, plus 15 in July. 
Among uh, those who were surveyed on the economy, Trump has a plus three points advantage on Biden. On crime and safety, Biden is plus nine over Trump. On the pandemic and how to go about working with it or trying to do away with it or trying to end it, Biden is up by 20 points. On race relations, Biden is up by 25 points. This is on the Washington Post ABC poll. Ladies and gentlemen, with a little over 100 days left in uh, the election, um, things don't look very good for President Trump. Here's another indication. Trump is slumping so badly nationally, it's causing the heavy hitter money people to ignore Trump and pile on to support Senate candidates because they're afraid of losing the Senate. Paul Singer and Kenneth Griffin, for example, very prominent GOP donors, are not supporting Trump with a dime. Both men combined, however, have donated $16 million in federal contributions to Senate and House candidates in June alone, one single month. That tells you something. I've sort of picked on Senator Tom Cotton from Arkansas, Republican from Arkansas, a couple times in the past. I'm going to do it again because this man is obviously fascist to the core. And I don't usually call people fascist, but he is. He is saying, for example, that the demonstrators in Portland who are demonstrating at nighttime when they're not working during the day, they're only demonstrating at night. He's comparing them to the traitors, although he doesn't call them traitors, who started the Civil War by attacking Fort Sumter in South Carolina. He doesn't call them, call them traitors, even though that's what they were, because he's from Arkansas and he's a supporter of the Confederacy. This follows an op-ed that he wrote in the New York Times, which caused a whole lot of uh, fuss all the way around, caused the New York Times to apologize for publishing it when he called for brute armed federal force on, on demonstrators that started up after the uh, killing in, in uh, Minnesota. He called for heavy duty military training, or uh, 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 military dem uh, putting down of demonstrations by force. Called for total military action. And on that, he's totally wrong. Because for one thing, none of what's, I had this discussion the other day with a native of Portland, Oregon, who was carrying on about this, these huge demonstrations and how this was ripping the country apart and was bringing America down, and that's baloney. First of all, these demonstrators, if they were that effective, would be out 24-7. But they're not. In the daytime, they go home to sleep. So they're not insurrectionists. They're demonstrators. Yeah, some of them start fires and what have you. But that's just some of them. This is not, look, in 1982, when the Los Angeles conflagration, the riot started at, uh, it was, it was um, uh, the end of March or the end of April, anyway, whenever it was, uh, I went to Los Angeles from San Diego and I stayed up there during the riot and I wrote, I wound up writing a, an article for Reason Magazine, which was well received all over the country. I got a lot of attention for it. 
and it was a really good article. I've, I've resurrected it. Oh, I pulled it up uh, word for word and ran it on the 25th anniversary of the 1992 riot. So I know what a, what a destructive riot is. Over 53 people were killed in that Los Angeles riot in 1992, and billions of dollars worth of property uh, was uh, destroyed by fire usually and a lot of looting and stuff, and the police just stood by. Anyway, I know what a total rebellion looks like. And this isn't it. This is not it. Now, when, when, when Cotton compares what's going on now to what went on in South Carolina in 1861, he doesn't know his history. I don't care if he was an honors grad from uh, Harvard uh, undergraduate and from Harvard Law. To look at what happened to South Carolina in April of, uh, two, of 1861 and compare that to today is stupid. Those people were seceding. They were trying to get out of the United States. They were trying to destroy the United States. They weren't just demonstrating because a cop killed a black man in, in Minneapolis. Cotton is not calling for preservation of the United States. He only calls for putting down demonstrators that he disagrees with and, for, and, and for, to try and protect a federal courthouse. So what? The federal courthouse will be there when this is all over. Most people will get tired of demonstrating. But if, if we leave it to Senator Cotton, he'd have the U.S. Army out there stomping. Oh, that reminds us that the federal government has sent in customs and border protection officers in full military gear with masks and everything, and they're just willy-nilly picking people up off the street and putting them in unmarked cars. Ladies and gentlemen, that is a trademarked procedure used in dictatorships all over the world. And this is being done under the direct orders of the President of the United States and or his acting Department of Homeland Security director. Hasn't been confirmed by the Senate, can't be confirmed by the Senate because he cannot become the director confirmed by the Senate once he serves as acting director. And yet, and yet, there they are in Portland, unmarked, without any identification badges, I'm sorry. But in the United States, law enforcement has to be identified. I can remember, it's been a lot of years, but I can remember one time a judge dismissing a citation that I received because the undercover uh, official that gave me the ticket was in an unmarked car because his regular car was, was being fixed, was at a mechanic, and uh, he had a rental car with no identification. And when I told the judge, I asked the guy, I was defending myself, and I asked this official, this officer, if his car was marked, and he said no. And the judge said, what? I said, sir, a judge, I move for dismissal. He says, granted. The law enforcement must have a marked car to issue a, a traffic citation of any sort. 
Now let's move across the big Pacific Ocean. Those of you who live on the ocean, look, look west. If you could see far enough, you'd eventually see China. Well, the Chinese see the ocean too. They are building up their own Marine Corps. I don't know what they call it. They're Marines, seagoing infantry. From a force uh, estimated to be around 10,000, they've now built up to between 25 and 35,000. Like U.S. Marines, they are experts and trained to be pure amphibious strikers. In other words, seize and hold from the ocean. Land, seize and hold. They, are, have, they have copied the American Marine uh, procedure or uh, infrastructure of having ships, like for example, the Bonham Richard that was uh, burned in the big fire in San Diego a few days ago. That has a crew of 3,000, half of which are sailors to man the ship, and half are U.S. Marines to land by, and to, to have, they have Harrier jets that, that fly off the deck, straight up vertical development, uh, vertical uh, uh, landing and takeoffs, and they have amphibious landing craft that can land like 90 Marines at a time, and they can hit, strike anywhere in the world from the water, from the ocean, from the sea, from uh, whatever it is. And uh, uh, they have their own self-contained, they're self-contained. They have support ships and what have you. Well, the Chinese are copying that exactly. They have two new amphibious assault ships, just like the Bonham Richard and the Peleliu and the new one. There was just Kristen, um, uh, the uh, Tripoli. And that's what they're doing. See, they have a huge coastline. And on that coastline, within striking distance, is a lot of countries and a lot of territory the Chinese are claiming. So they're building up their Marine force. They're copying the U.S. Marines. Who says the Chinese uh, are, are dumb? Now, let's come back across the Pacific to Mexico. And President Lopez Obrador of Mexico says he doesn't share President Trump's statement that his wall, President Trump's wall, has protected the United States from more COVID-19 infections. That's what Trump is claiming, that his wall has stopped the coronavirus from crossing the border. That's baloney. Texas is a hot spot, but it's not from Mexico. It's a bigger hot spot than on the Mexican side. Lopez Obrador says he won't publicly disagree with Trump. Quote, of course I don't share uh, Trump's opinion, but I'm not going to confront President Trump, unquote. Now, you take President Trump, and here's what he told Chris Wallace in the interview the other day. Quote, you take a look. Why don't they talk about Mexico, which is not helping the U.S.? And all I can say is, thank God I built most of the wall, because if I didn't, have the wall up, we would have a much bigger problem with Mexico, unquote. According to the Customs and Border Protection Agency of the Department of Homeland Security, 245 miles of fencing, none of it's a wall, according to the CBP, has been built by President Trump's administration. But 
what the statement doesn't say is what other statements have said in the past. Most of the 245 miles, like 200 of them, are simply replacing older fencing. In other words, we have one more Trump lie. Total dead. As of Monday, the 20th of July, 140,957 people have died by COVID-19 causes. As of this moment, Senator, Senate Leader Mitch McConnell is leading the way into a new congressional bill that will help the United States like the previous one, the previous two bills have done. Individual checks will be in this new bill, probably according to McDonald, for, 40, for people who earn $40,000 a year or less. Now remember the last time it was full $1,200 for those who earned up to 75,000 and then the 1,200 marked down until uh, we reached, uh, I think it was 90,000 and then uh, disappeared. But this time it's for people that earn 40,000 or less and that's good. Those are the people who need it the hardest. There'll be some extension, I, I think, of payroll protection to keep people on the job. Mitch McConnell calls the, uh, he's calling the shots. He's in charge this time. He traveled all over Kentucky during the, the Senate break talking about helping people who make $40,000 or less. And that guarantees that a bill will land on Trump's desk. Trust me, it won't be totally like this, for example, the president's all for a payroll tax holiday, but most Republicans think that's a bad idea because it only helps those people working. How about the people not working? Texas Tribune, now to show you how Texas is such a hot spot, the Texas Tribune reports that in the last 10 days, 100 people a day, a day have been lost, have been, have died. Texas is in trouble. Okay, now I want to finish off today's program with reading my latest column that I wrote that is being published this week around the country. The title is America, We Are Here by Raul Lowry Contreras. What a week. Only in America can the national house collapse around us under a president blinded by greatness and still manifest the country's greatness of tomorrow, led by kids, Hispanic, particularly Mexican-American kids at the University of California come to mind. Millions of American workers, almost half, do not have work they had five months ago. Almost a third of renters and homeowners missed a rent or mortgage payment in July. Videos of thousands of cars lined up to receive free food blanket the local television news. Hospitals are full. Over a million men and women file for unemployment benefits a week now. Among all this, among all this a shining, brilliant light illuminates a path to greatness. It bursts through the national health disaster caused economic and social gloom. The blinding light is thousands of young Hispanics, of which 
over 90% are Mexican-Americans, smashing through 17 decades of prejudice that blocked the only path for collective social economic advancement this country knows and has known since President Abraham Lincoln signed the Morrell Act into law in 1862, the Land Grant College Act. From it came the University of California, Berkeley, founded in 1868. It, along with the private Stanford University, were the pearly gates of higher education in California until the Los Angeles University of California campus was founded as a two-year UC Southern branch in 1919 and became a four-year UCLA in 1927. In recent years, UC Berkeley and UCLA are rated by many as the best state universities in the nation. UCLA, for example, and its state cousin, San Diego State University, parentheses, SDSU, my alma mater, close parentheses, lead the country in annual applications for admission. Both received over 94,000 applications for 2020's fall, 8 to 10,000 openings at the two schools. Here's the good news that rocked the doomy gloom, the doomed gloomy USA this week. Hispanic, aka also known as Mexican-American applicants offered admission to the University of California's 2020 fall semester have broken the 152-year history of the University of California's life as the state's premier tech-supported, practically all-white state university. California's historically small Mexican-American population has not flourished in the University of California. For a century for a century after California's 1848 annexation to the United States, Mexican origin men and women were lightly educated, if at all, through the eighth grade, then entered the workforce. Segregated schools were the norm. Whites only and Mexican only schools, houses in Southern California dotted towns from the Mexican border to the state capital, Sacramento. Children were handicapped by splitting time between working the fields and one-room schoolhouses. San Diego County closed its last Mexican-only school in the 1930s, but one Orange County segregated school lasted until 1946. San Diego's newly chartered University of California campus took over the Marine Corps Rifle Training Camp in 1964 and embarked on its half-century journey to be named the best university in the nation by the Washington Monthly Magazine. Its first graduating classes had few Mexican origin, black or Asian students, a few of each, but fewer of Mexican origin, parentheses, my youngest brother was one of them, close parentheses. Sociologist Thomas Sowell took note of lagging Mexican-American educational levels when he wrote in his book, Ethnic America, that 1950 Mexican origin men in California averaged eight years of schooling, but that doubled their father's schooling. This writer was nine years old in 1950, and no one in his family had graduated from high school until he did in 1958. That situation has improved every year since 1950. Studies track the school experience and record 
and record a plunging dropout rate and record-breaking college matriculation that has passed the traditional mostly white college matriculation in California higher education. This has and is happening because the Mexican-American population exploded in California in recent years to the point it is the largest population in California today. Several California State University campuses cracked 25% Mexican-American matriculation in recent years. Some California State Universities have majority Mexican-American student bodies. For example, Los Angeles, 68%, San Bernardino, and Dominguez Hills, 65%. It was only a matter of time before the Mexican-American tsunami, or surge if you prefer, hit the University of California. The Mexican-American median age in the United States is 27. Half are over 27 and half under. There are so many more that will be graduating in coming years and be college bound. California 2020 applicants were offered, University of California 2020 applicants were offered 79,953 freshman slots in the nine campus University of California this year. 36%, 36% are Hispanic, 35% Asian, students, 21% whites, and 5% black. Interestingly, 44% were from low-income homes and 45% the first in their families to attend college. Those are critical statistics percentages. Underlying these numbers, 42.5% of 2010 California high school graduates were Hispanic. 20, 10 years later, 10 years later, 2020 Hispanics were 51.8% of all California high school graduates. Importantly, 94,000 California Hispanic 2020 graduates met University of California and California State University admission standards. They're very similar. These numbers will increase in coming years. The future is overwhelmingly bright for California and the country. The Hispanic future in America is guaranteed. That guarantees the American future. Allow me to paraphrase United States Army Colonel John E. Stanton when Americans arrived in France in 1917 to enter the war to end all wars. Quote, Lafayette we are here, unquote. He said in thanks to French help in America's fight for independence, I am doubly proud of my Mexican and American heritage and life. I can speak, I think, for millions like me. America, we are here. Thanks for being there uh, for this program. And if you want to get hold of me, you can send me an email at hispaniccommentator at gmail.com. That's hispaniccommentator, one word, at gmail.com. I will be happy to entertain any of your emails, good, bad, indifferent, or suggestive, or to plain old protest. That's fine with me. I believe in free speech, and I believe that people should be heard. So please, let me know what you think of the program or have, if you have any questions to ask and I will respond as quickly as I can. Thank you. This is Raul Lowry Contreras. This is 
The Contreras Report, A Hispanic View of the USA, Issue 111. Thank you, and we'll be with you soon.